The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Imagine the physical pain of losing a leg when a bomb goes off. Then imagine having to tell your family and friends what's just happened. Melissa Stockwell saw this as a choice. Either see her new situation as a burden or find the opportunity. Melissa was the first female soldier to lose a limb in the Iraq war after an improvised explosive device, or an IED for short, went off during a tour of Iraq in 2004. Also in transition, ripping that wetsuit off. There goes Melissa Stockwell from the USA. That incident led to an athletic career which includes two appearances at the Paralympics in 2008 and 2016, one in swimming and another in para-triathlon. She went on to win three back-to-back world championships as a para-triathlete and came away from Rio 2016 with a Paralympic bronze medal. But that really doesn't even scratch the surface on a life full of twists and turns, including a divorce, getting married again, and having two children. She's written a book all about it called The Power of Choice, which is a fantastic read, and she's on the line now. Hello, Melissa. How are you? I'm good. I'm pumped to be on. Thank you for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, I've read the book, as I was saying. I was intrigued to know what the reasoning was behind the title of the book yeah so the power of choice so after i lost my leg in 2004 um you know i I had this this choice to make and you know i could have taken the the path of you know never accepting the loss of a leg and you know always poor me or kind of choosing to accept the loss and to move on and to see what i could do with with one leg and by taking that path by choosing to take that that path it propelled my life in ways that I could never have even dreamt of. So that choice, I mean, I think I think all of our lives are kind of driven by the choices that we make, but just that, the power of that one choice kind of, you know, made my life incredible in so many ways. So it just kind of seemed to be a really good title for the book. And the book opens up with this very dramatic scene of the IED exploding. What do you remember of that moment? Can you describe it for some for some people who don't don't know about it? So um, the date was April thirteenth of two thousand four, and I'd been in Iraq for about three weeks. And my my daily mission in Iraq was to do these convoys. So basically, get in a vehicle, lead a bunch of vehicles from one point to the next, kind of delivering various supplies and. On that particular day, I got in my vehicle. Um, I, I w- didn't really have a job that day because I was just doing a ride along. I was going to take over. If the, I was going to take over that route the next day, so I just had to like ride along and learn the route. And you know, we were we left our gate, and about ten minutes into the ride, we went under this underpass and this deafening. I mean, boom and black smoke, the smell of metal, the windshields crashed in, the vehicles swerving. And ultimately we had hit a roadside bomb. Um, and we ended up crashing into this Iraqi woman's house. Everyone got out of the vehicle. I started to get out myself, saw a bunch of blood, knew something wasn't right. And um, lucky for me, there was a combat medic a few vehicles back that knew I was hurt, ran up and t- started to, you know, a, what I thought was administer first aid, but really 
saved my life because I was losing so much blood. Um, but what I didn't know then, and I know now, is that my leg, it was gone. It had been severed. Um, and that was uh, the first day of, of my, new, my new life, of living life with one leg. How did you feel kind of emotionally in those moments uh, just immediately after, you know, realizing that, that you had only one leg? So I was rushed into um, like a life-saving surgery, surgery in a bag emergency room. And it wasn't until I woke up from that surgery and the surgeon and I said, I knew something happened to my leg, but I didn't know the extent of it. And I said, did something happen to my leg? And that's when the surgeon said, it's gone. You don't have it anymore. And then he handed me a phone and said, would you like to call your parents? So you have to imagine at the time I am like very hyped up or I'm, I'm in this medication, you know, this pain meds and my head is very foggy. And obviously I just come through this extremely traumatic incident. But when I think back, I, I do know that initially I was, I was my, one of my very first thoughts was just, I was glad it was me and another, another one of my soldiers. I think, you know, you had this team and I had this camaraderie with my soldiers and I, I knew that I could handle it. I knew I had a great team back home that could help me get through it. So even from those very early moments, I just, I remember being just thankful that it wasn't somebody else because as much as you always think it's going to be someone else, you never want it to be somebody else. So um, calling my parents, I mean, that was a moment that I'll never forget. Just, you know, the anguish of a mother on the other end of the line and um, but very early on, it was just trying to get through the pain and it wasn't, I don't think I really thought about the fact that I didn't have a leg. It was more just, it hurts. Let's get through the pain and then we'll kind of deal with the rest, um, down the road. Why did you become a swimmer? You had an athletic background as a kid, especially in gymnastics, one time trained by the Olympic champion, Olga Kerbert, but, uh, swimming. Why swimming and how did swimming help you to, you know, get your life back on track? Yeah, um, so I was a gymnast when I was younger and, you know, I always considered myself an athlete and um, dreamt of going to the Olympic Games. Obviously that never happened, but after I lost my leg, a few months after I lost it, I learned about the Paralympic Games and it was, it's almost like I had a second chance of becoming this Olympian that I had dreamt of being, only this time it was at, as an athlete with a disability. but. A dream was born pretty quickly that I wanted to be a Paralympian. And for part of my rehabilitation at Walter Reed, I got into the water and I, I knew how to swim. I, I swam on like a you know young kid's swim team growing up. And but when I got in the water for the first time after losing my leg, it was this experience of I mean, it almost made me feel whole again. It's like I forgot as though I was missing my leg. I, I just loved the way the water made me feel. So it was kind of this natural progression of I had gotten in the water for my rehab. I learned at the Paralympics. Well, why don't I, you know, after I get out of the military, medically retired, why don't I give this a shot to be a Paralympian in the sport of swimming? So that's kind of how swimming started. And, you know, I was a total long shot. My times were, I mean, so far from where they needed to be when I first started. And um, I had a long way to go, but I wanted to try to make it a reality. I mean, it's the stuff of dreams. You entered the 400 meter freestyle and before your times were good, but they weren't great. And you got into the water at the US Paralympic trials and out of nowhere, you break the American record. I mean, that's crazy. Oh, incredible. I mean, 
I was so, I didn't even, I had never even looked at the American records. I mean, I was so far from them at that Paralympic trials that, and I mean, it was a, the 400 meter freestyle and to take 20 seconds off of a race in from morning to night. I mean, I don't know what, what happened, but it was incredible. And I can feel like I can still picture it. You know, I'm swimming and I'm seeing my teammate and I'm like, well, how am I still ahead of her? Like that had never happened before. And then hitting the wall and like I had family and friend and they erupted and my coach Jimmy on the side is going crazy. And I think I did a double take, like, does that actually, is that me? Is that my name up there? I mean, it's just one of those moments, like out of body experiences that just, I don't know, it, that kind of think back on your life. And that was one of them. In swimming, you have to be ranked within like the top three of the world to make a spot um, on the team at the time you had to at least. And that, um, yeah, that my 400 meter freestyle with that, put me, I think, number ranked third in the world, which is what got me on the team. So that that's what did it, yeah. It was such an amazing achievement just to even make it on the team. So I was surprised to find out just how disappointed you were with, with your performance at Beijing 2008. I know, and I think... You know, of course, my, my, my goal was to make it, which I did. I made the team. But of course, once you're there, you want to, you don't want to go and feel like you failed athletically. You want to go and do well. And I didn't have good athletic performances. And um, and at the time, I mean, that was my life. Like, that's everything. I think when you're an athlete, like, you understand that that highest level of competition, I mean, that's what you train for and, you know, dream about. So it was definitely disappointing when all I got was that little participation medal and not any other medals. But looking back that was kind of part of the journey so it kind of makes sense now that it happened that way and so uh after that disappointment you go and try to triathlon in 2009 and in true melissa style you end up world champion <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that that was that was definitely something i never expected either um definitely you know so after beijing in 2008 it's funny. I thought I'm like, I'm old. I'm, I'm 28 years old. I'm too old. I'm not going to continue with the Paralympic games. And then in 2009, I do a triathlon, fall in love with it, fall in love with the sport, everything that, that is comes with it. And then, um, here I am 40 years old, still trying to go for my Paralympic games. So, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, never, never say never, I guess. I, it was such a surprise, though, to, for me to to uh, learn that, you know, with that triumph came a bit of devastation in your private life as well with um, your husband, Dick. He wasn't being faithful. It was with it was actually with a teammate of yours as well, which is just heartbreaking. I mean, that is a really awkward situation. And how, how difficult was that period for you? Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. You know, I, I got through the loss of my leg and then to ha go through a divorce. It, I almost think the divorce was harder. I mean, I, I don't, I say that looking back now, just because I know how great my life is without my leg, but so difficult. I mean, I feel for anyone that ever has to go through a divorce for, for really any reason. Um, yeah, definitely something I never expected a whole nother battle of its own to get through. Um, I mean, it's, it's tough. It, it was hard. I, I mean, I'm confident that, you know, I, I definitely came out better on the other side of it, but it was it was definitely one of the hardest parts of my life. 
But people even say it's like a turn of phrase as well when people go through a divorce or a really, you know, big breakup or whatever. They say it's like losing a limb. And it's like, and, and it, it. Yeah, well, and it, I lost another one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it was. I mean, and, you know, as, as much as it didn't end with, with my husband, my ex husband, how I. It didn't end very well, but he, I will always be thankful that he got, he was there for me after I lost my leg. He got me through the loss of my leg and I will forever be grateful to him for that. And, you know, it's been, it's been what, um, 10 years since the divorce. And I know now where that my, I'm so much better off in my own life. And if I ever were to see him, I would hope that he's doing well and, you know, enjoying his life as well. So it's funny in the moment you want nothing, but you know, it's so horrible when you go through it, but then the years pass and you look back and you're like, all right, that was, that was meant to happen. I mean, challenging times don't last. It makes, it's hard to get through, but a lot of times you get through them and you end up even better on the other side. Olympic Channel Podcast. More from Alyssa in just a second, but I wanted to let you know that we spoke to double Olympic champion triathlete Alistair Brownlee a while back. Here's a clip. I think one strategy, I think probably a strategy for most people is dissociate as much as you can actually from the preparation. So yeah, for sure, do what you can, but um, it's kind of hard to have that level of intensity of of training and focus and mindset for long periods of time. And, you know, for some people that's weeks, other people it is months and many months, but I'm pretty sure for no one it's 15 months. So train as hard as you can, but around that, try and relax and and do other things and have other focuses. think with that perspective and mindset you'll be fresher and um, as ready as ever to get back and focus as hard as you can when um, 2021 rolls around for the olympics that summer olympic channel podcast for that episode and over a hundred more go to olympicchannel.com forward slash podcast anyway back to melissa and we were talking about how she prepared for rio 2016 by having a baby I don't even know how old I was at that time, 34. And we wanted to have kids and it was like, do we wait till after Rio or do it before? And we had this like little win- time window on when if I could get pregnant and it just so happened that I got pregnant in the win- within that window and had a baby trying to come back into that elite athletic shape was harder than having the baby itself. Uh, but the fact that it happened and it worked out the way it did was just, I mean, I couldn't have asked for it any better, yeah. It changed my mindset, it changed my body, and I'm thankful that I have such an incredible husband that knew that Rio was the goal, and we did it as a team. We made it happen as a team together, but um, I mean, it worked. I had the, I mean, it worked, which is kind of crazy. And so uh, let's go back to Rio and standing on the start line there. So yeah, standing on that start line in, in Rio and you know, I, I, again, was a total long shot to make the team because I had a baby and I was trying to come back and I got this kind of invitation slot to be there. And being on the starting line with two of my teammates and we had this, you know, we would always say, what if we swept the podium? Like, how great would that be? But you never think it's going to actually happen. And it did. I mean, that race started and I came out of the water first. My teammate Haley, who was stronger on the bike, passed me on the bike. We come in to start the run. My other teammate, Alyssa, passes me on the run. 
Alyssa comes across first, Haley comes across second, and it's me trying to battle for that third position. Getting to that finish shoot, they have the American flag, crossing that finish line, American sweep, September 11th of 2016, on that podium, not one, not two, but three Americans flag go up. I mean, you can't write that any better. I mean, it can't get any better than that. And standing on that podium, I mean, you know, the power of the American spirit, showing the world how much ability is in disability, showing all the new moms out there that they can still, you know, they can still get back to, they can still have dreams of their own and get out there and do it. I mean, there's so much into that moment. I mean, the emotion is like it was yesterday. It is forever will be one of the greatest moments of my life. You know, I mean, it sounds so cheesy to say that like dreams come true, but I mean, that what it actually happened. And I got a bronze medal. It felt like a personal gold. I was the happiest bronze medalist in Rio. I was out of control, like of just pure joy. I mean, it was, oh, I mean, I, I go back there in my mind a lot. It's, it was amazing. Let's fast forward to right now and uh the aim is the aim still to compete in tokyo 2020 and you know how is it going currently what 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 is going on yeah so definitely so tokyo 2021 right so yeah tokyo 2020 um that was the goal my family and i we have i have a daughter now as well so we have two kids um moved out to colorado springs so i could train at the olympic training center and they have the incredible facilities and the goal is to be back in Tokyo, wear that uniform, be back on the podium. <clears throat> you know, I think best case, we have another USA sweep. So um, I do train with my teammates who, who I raced with back in Rio and we train together, we push each other, we motivate each other. And yeah, the goal is to be back on that podium with both of them. And it's a weird question to ask and I, I wouldn't ask it lightly. Are you almost grateful for the for losing your leg? Do you have any regrets or would you change that about your life? You know, I mean, that's a great question. The answer is, is I would not change it. You know, I think I, I'm proud of being, I'm proud of being an amputee. I get to wake up every morning, I put my prosthetic leg on. And, you know, of course there's challenges that come with wearing a prosthetic leg every day. But, you know, I, you talk about the power of choice. I mean, I choose to you know, not see the challenges and instead see how much truly better my life has been. I mean, I never would have been an Olympic athlete, you know, I, but now I'm a Paralympic athlete. I never would have had all these incredible experiences and I never would have met my husband, which means I never would have had my incredible children. Like there are, I, I look back at the last 16 years after losing my leg and I have done more in my life with one leg than I ever would have done with two. I mean, I am such a proud amputee, a proud, you know, proud to wear this leg and just wear it has brought my life that if I could go back and do it again, I mean, I honestly would. And not to say that there weren't hard parts to get here, and I'm sure there'll be hard parts from here on out, but knowing that we can get through them and end up better on the other side. You know, yes, I my vehicle was hit by a roadside bomb that caused a loss of my leg, and I would never wish it on anybody, but we all, I feel like we have... We all have these like metaphorical roadside bombs that happen to us, right? Like this pandemic is one of them. Like these obstacles, you never expect them, but we have the power to get through them. We will get through it. We'll do it together. 
And along the way, we'll learn something about ourselves and, you know, hopefully we end up even better on the other side. Well, I have one last request. Challenge time. They're like epic Paralympic moments. All I want from you is to guess the sport. So what sport can you hear? Oh, what a shot. Oh my word, I don't think Corker can quite believe it. We'll say basketball. <laughs> it was excellent. It was table tennis. Oh man. Okay, okay. I mean, I put the ball together. Right. This one's a bit harder. Okay, I, I had two guesses. Go for it. Um, judo? It's a good guess. It's a good guess, but okay, no. Okay, oh wait, I had one more. Um, fencing. No, and again, a good guess. No, it was oh, powerlifting. Really? It was powerlifting. Oh, yeah, I was far. I was off. Okay, I was off on that one. And the final one. The United States lives in Copper Mountain. Skiing. Skiing? Uh, okay, wait, it's close. Um, um... It's snowboarding, snowboarding cross with Amy oh, Purdy. I, I, I feel some... like that's still kind of a win. I, I, I think we can give you that one. I think we can give you okay. that one. No, Melissa, what a pleasure it was. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And hopefully, yeah, thanks for, thanks for reading the book and hope, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel Podcast. Podcast. Big thanks to Melissa, and the book is out now. Uh, you can follow Melissa on Instagram as well, mstockwell01. I am Eddie Knowles with an I and an E, and we are Olympic Channel across all social platforms. Last week, we had four-time Olympic champion gymnast Simone Biles on the podcast. She spoke about her feelings on her Vogue magazine cover, including receiving a video call from Anna Winter. Being able to see the cover, I actually um, FaceTimed Anna Wintour. She wanted to show it to me personally. Um, and there's a digital and a print. And I was obsessed with that idea. So I told her because she had a lot of questions. But I was so nervous. I was literally like sweating. I've met her before too. But just how powerful and the impact she has on like the fashion industry was just blows my mind. And um She's a female too, so that's kind of cool. But like my palms were sweaty and whenever I saw the covers, I was like, that's me, that looks beautiful. Such a great interview. Well worth a listen. If you liked this week's podcast, then I would be honoured if you could leave a five-star review over at whatever podcast app you are using. It really helps other people find us. Big thanks to you if you've done that already. Okay, that's it for now. Stay safe and see you soon. Think like an Olympian.